Well, this is the one. This is the one that if I was given just one opportunity to share one message to any one congregation, to any one group of followers of Christ, this is the one message that I would share. I have another message that is one of those that I keep close by, that if ever I'm given an opportunity to speak to a large group of people that are not yet followers of Christ, then I would pull this one out of the box. But in, 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 in this case and in this hour, if there's any single message that I would share to any one group of followers of Christ, it's this one message. This one message has been my heart's cry for probably 15 years. When I first heard this, this passage expounded with such passion and such vision, it just it all of a sudden exploded in my heart with, with such impact that to this day, whether in Africa or in America or wherever I am in the world, if I have one message to share with any one group of followers of Christ, that's the context, it's this message. Ken Hinfield said this statement. He said, vision does not ignite growth. Passion does. Passion fuels vision. And vision is the focus of the power of passion. Leaders who are passionate about their call create vision. Sometimes we wonder, you know, businesses don't go anywhere, or churches go nowhere, or people go, don't go anywhere in life because, because they don't have a vision, they don't have any direction. But I don't think it's the beginning point. The beginning point is there has to be a seed of passion inside of our hearts. And then from that passion outflows, comes out of that passion, a vision of I must do this, I should do this, I can do this. There must be a response that comes out of that. And vision comes out of that. But if the passion isn't there, it, can't, it doesn't fuel anything. There's no I must, I should, I, we, we can, and we will. That's the vision part. But the passion absolutely must be there. Vision is not enough. A lot of good ideas, a lot of dreams, a lot of answers to life's questions, I believe, die in the laboratory because they lacked passion. Somebody to speak for it. Somebody to cry out for it. Somebody to, 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 to yell for that, that cause, that, that, that whatever it may be. I'm passionate, if you know me at all, about what God does around the world. Just here at home? Yes, absolutely. But God is so much a global God, and, and I so much don't want to put God into some kind of box. And I really see God at work, on mission, around the world, and I want to be in on that. It is my passion. It's my desire in the very beginning of starting Grace Point that we would be a church on mission with God to the ends of the earth. And it, this has been an amazing congregation to be able to pastor and to see that come true in so many people's hearts and lives. But it wasn't that way in 1993. In 1993, I was pastoring my second church. I'd already pastored one, put them through misery, and was moving on to my second pastorate. And I really thought my, my primary job as a pastor was to keep people warm, happy, and fed. If I could keep everybody warm, happy, and fed, then we would have a happy congregation and everything would be fine and, and, and dandy. 
All of a sudden, God in 1992, in the fall of 1992, interrupted that concept of what it meant to be a pastor and that it wasn't just to keep everybody warm, happy, and fed, but it was actually deeper than that, greater than that. It was actually to stir, to challenge, to change, and to be on mission with God. That was actually the job of a pastor. Now again, the warm fuzzy, the good message, I've been fed on Sunday morning. Yeah, that may fit into the, the equation, but that's not my calling. Nor do I believe it's the calling of any pastor or any congregation just to make sure we're all warm, happy, and fed. Well, what happened in that time was God began to open my eyes to what He was doing around the world in such an amazing way that I had to get on a plane and experience it before God began to rattle my cage. At that point, God began to put peoples of the world on my heart. Just like Paul in Romans chapter 10, which we'll be going there in a moment. You can be turning over to Romans chapter 10. But just like in Acts, well, in Romans chapter 10, verse, verse 1, you find the Hebrew people were on the passionate call of God in the life of Paul. So when you look over in Acts chapter 15, verse 7, you find that in Peter's life, it was the Gentile people. That was on his heart. That was the people that that he was called. He said he was to be a mouth. He was to deliver a message to the Gentiles. And then you come over and you read in Romans chapter 10 and you read how Paul was so passionate about the Hebrew people. Who are you passionate about? Who are you passionate about? Because if you're not passionate about anybody, you'll not have a vision for anybody. And if you don't have a vision, you have no direction. If you have no direction, you'll have no movement. It starts with passion. Who are you passionate for? Is it the Fulani of West Africa? Is it the Gujarati of India? Is it the Urdu of of Pakistan? Or is it the yuppies of Northwest Arkansas? What people group is on your heart? Who are you passionate for? When you read the the, the book of of Romans chapter 10, you go to verse 1 with me there, and you'll see in, in, in the very heart... Uh, of, uh, of Paul, you see a passion burning because he makes this statement, brothers, my heart's desire, underscore that phrase. That's passion. My heart's desire, my prayer, it even consumes what I'm, when I'm talking to God, I can't help but to pray for these people. Who are you praying for? Are you even praying for a neighbor? Again, God is about mission, and we are about being on what God's about, and and He's on mission, so therefore, if we're not on mission, are we not missing something? And here, this is a five-month series of messages that we've been going through, hitting the five major points of the stops on the journey of our life. And here we are closing it out this week with the idea of mission. Because if there's anything I want to send us out into this world today and tomorrow, and many of y'all will fly around the country this week, this week even. We'll get on planes and talk and interact with so many people. What if you turn that mentality of I'm not just here to make a buck, but I'm on mission with God, and you could marry them together and passionately pray for and intercede for people in this earth that don't know Christ. Heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be what? Saved. Not happy, warm, and fed. But that they would be saved. 
See, we need to have a passion in our heart for the peoples of this world. We must have a calling in our bosom that just wakes us up in the night and we begin to pray for people. Who are you passionate about? If you look on in, 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 in Romans chapter 10, it's really the whole chapter he's dealing with, uh, Paul is dealing with his, his desires. You know, 16,467 different people groups around the world. And he zeroes in. God gives him the heart for the Hebrew people. Who's your heart? Where's your heart? Who are you, who are you calling out for? Who, who, who's God laid on your heart to reach? Do you realize that out of that number, there's 6,693 that are unreached? Any of those that maybe would capture your heart? Any of those that would maybe stir your soul and cause you to pray like never before? Be passionate about them? I think there's three reasons that we are passionate that I am, that we should be passionate about our mission, is one, is we have a reliable. There's reliability of our message. There's a reliability factor in our message that we can trust it. There's a lot of things in this world you can't trust. You can't trust the economy. You can't trust banks, jobs, health, friends. Sad to say, you can't trust them from time to time. But is there anything out there that you can sink your teeth into and know and hold on to it? Because in this world... There's a lot of things that it's hard to hold on to. But if you, if you look at, at Scripture, John, excuse me, Romans chapter 10, go down to verse 13. In this world, there's a lot of loopy thinking, postmodernists kind of think loopy and mystic and all that kind of stuff. But what is there something that we can bite down on and really hold on to? Verse 13 gives us a pretty solid message if you look there. It says, For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Pretty clear, pretty reliable. He makes one statement, and this one statement is worthy of memorization. If you ever wonder, am I a follower of Christ? Am I a child of God? He tells us that we can have confidence. Everyone, no one's excluded. No axe murderer, no child rapist, no goody two-shoes, no law-abiding citizen. Nobody is excluded. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is such an amazing promise of God that He is love encompasses everyone who calls upon Him and He will embrace everyone who calls upon Him. That's a reliable message. That's something you can stake your claim in. We have that as our message. Now how do we go into this world with kind of loopy thinking? Sometimes we think, well, nobody can really ever know that they're a follower of Christ. The thing is, yes, you can. It's not a I hope so or I think so, or I may be so. If you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he tells us that the reason he writes these things, he says, he says these, things, uh, are these things to you who believe in the name of, of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. He's given us these things. He's given us the Word so that we may know it's a no-so, not a think-so. It's a no-so, not a hope-so. It's a no-so, not a maybe-so kind of faith. We can know that we have that relationship. And again, all I'm trying to bring us back to is again and again and again that we have a reliable message. But if you keep reading in Romans chapter 10, it doesn't end at verse 13. If it ended at verse 13, that would be beautiful. We could pack it all up and go home and just say, hey, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's beautiful, wonderful. Let's go home now. But you've got to read verse 14. 
It's almost as though Paul's writing, he's, he nudges, the Holy Spirit just nudges him a little bit further. Because in verse 14, what does it say? He says, well, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in whom they've never heard? They've never heard. They've never heard. How can they believe if they've never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? You know, don't get caught up in that word preaching because that's what you think I'm doing now, okay? Some people would call it that. But, but, but what preaching is, is actually it's a, it's, it's a Greek word that means to deliver a message. We are carrying in us a message. You are a courier of a message. A very reliable message, I must say, as we've already read. That message is to be told. We talked about last week, telling your story. Start there. Begin there. End at Romans chapter 10, verse 13, if you will. But somehow, tell your story. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I really hope that somebody wrote down their story this week. I've even had some other people tell me they've told their story this week. What a beautiful thing. You... And I have a reliable message, something that we can sink our teeth in, something that we can hold on to. This world is out there, and they are looking for a message. And if they don't hear of a message, guess what? They'll make one up. They will. They'll make up their own. They did it in the, in the time of Paul. They'll do it today. Look at verse 3 of Romans chapter 10. It says, For being ignorant, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, they didn't know about it. But verse, thir- verse 3, excuse me. I don't know if we have that, guys, but here it is. Verse 3, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, seeking to establish their own. Seeking to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. How many people in this world do you and I know? How many unreached people groups in this world that we don't know that live in the ignorance, that live in the ignorance of the righteousness of God. And because they're living in that ignorance, they're seeking to establish their own way to God. They're doing everything they can to get out and to figure out how to get to God. They just establish their own way. And because they don't know and they're ignorant, because they haven't been told, because we haven't shared our story, because we haven't opened up the Word of God and shared with them Romans chapter 10, verse 13, because of that, they do not submit to God's righteousness. See, once it, see, see, see sometimes I've I got to realize, I have a very reliable message. I have a very powerful message. But if the message isn't delivered, it's not powerful. Are we tracking together here? It's not some, it's not some message that's out there that it just automatically everybody gets. They're going to f- try to find God. They're going to search and try to develop their own way. But it doesn't mean that they're going to submit to the righteousness of God. So therefore, there is now something that we must understand about ourselves. Which is the second reason we need to be passionate about this calling of ours is the responsibility to share the message. Because even though we have a powerful message and even though it's, it's an authority in life and even though we have been called to share it, it's dormant until we, as the carriers of this message, get out and share it. It is dormant. It, 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 
And so what Paul does is he begins to unpack in some kind of syllogism of questions here, starts to unpack the process that we need to think through. Just because somebody can call in the name of Christ and be saved doesn't mean they will. Because until they've heard that, they can't believe that. There is a process here that, that Paul begins to unpack and we need to understand whenever Jesus was ending His time on the earth, as Pete shared a few weeks ago, and, and we've shared throughout this month of May, the, the, the fact is, is that we all understand that we have been commissioned by God Almighty to be the carriers of that message. We have a responsibility. I have a responsibility, but you have a responsibility. And we must embrace that responsibility and not hand it off and not ignore it. He tells us in Mark 6.15 to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, verse 19, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations, there's panta ta ethne, which is the basically ethne is ethnic group. Do you realize again that today, right now, that there are there are sixteen thousand over four hundred different ethnic groups? We just shared that a few moments ago, and over six thousand of them don't have a Bible, don't have a missionary, don't have a Jesus film, don't have anybody to share with them. Where's our sense of responsibility? Jerry Rankin, president of the International Mission Board, said this. He said, the Great Commission is sufficient to give us the authority to finish the task. It is not sufficient to motivate us. Again, we hold inside of us, we have a message from God given to us, and He tells us to go and to share it, and He gives us the authority to share it. But unless the passion is there, the motivation to leave our seats and to do something won't happen. It won't happen. The passion has got to be there. There are three contingencies to reaching this world for Christ. One, jot them down. These are the most important things. And this was the three statements that were made to me back in 1996, I believe it was, when I heard an old retired missionary from Uganda and Kenya shared in my little church over in northeast Arkansas. He said, these three statements you've got to get down. Mankind is waiting for a message. Verse 14, look with me there. He said, How then shall they call on Him in whom they've not believed? They can't call on Him if they haven't believed in Him. Well, that makes sense. Also, well, how can they believe in Him if they haven't, if they've never heard? So there's, an, there's a process here. He's asking some simple questions here. Okay, you call on Him, yes, you'll, you can be saved. But if you haven't believed... Well, how can you believe if you haven't heard? See, mankind is out there right now waiting for a message. Jimmy Hooten was the missionary's name from Kenya and Uganda. I remember him standing in our little church and telling the story of being in the bush of of Africa and going along on bumpy roads and coming across this guy. I've told this story several times, but it just touches me every time. And he comes upon these, these, these guys walking through the bush and the missionary has a flat or something like that and stops and begins to talk to to these, these Africans and ends up leading them to Christ. Beautiful story. Leads them to Christ and says, where do we go from here? And he looked in his truck and he had one Swahili Bible. He said, here, take this book and just start reading it. Obey what you can figure out. Ignore what you can't figure out. And pretty soon what you can't figure out, you'll start to figure out. 
So just, just, just go with it. And so that's what they did. He, he took him and, and he took off down the road and he didn't come back for five years. Five years. Didn't make it back down that same bush road. Didn't see those guys again for, for five years. And he came back up on them. And, of course, white people out there are kind of like a, a novelty. And so they noticed him from afar whenever he came back through. And they chased him down. And they talked to him. They came to him and said, Hey, hey, we need another Bible. And he introduced himself. Oh, yes, I remember sharing with you. Yes, and He said, We need another Bible. He says, What happened to the first Bible you had? And they held it up. And there was only like just, just the leather flappings. And that was all it was. Why would I give you another Bible? You didn't take care of the Bible I gave you in the first place. He said, oh, yes, we did. When you, you shared with us that message, we went to the next village and we shared with them. And, and so they didn't have anything, so we just tore out a few pages and we gave it to them. He says, and then we went to another village and, the, and they wanted to hear the story and they wanted some of that, that book. And so they tore out some pages and gave it to them. He says, and we don't have any more pages to tear out. Would you give us another Bible? You realize that there are today are 3.94 billion people in this world that want to hear a message of hope. Yet in America, America and North America and Canada make up 5% of the world's total population. 5% of the world's total population. Of the 6 billion people that make up this world. 5% of the world's population lives in North America. 95% 95% of, the, of those who are seminary trained or who are trained to, to go out and share the gospel, 95% of them never leave America. Yet 5% of the population lives right here. If you take Mexico City alone and you break it down and you add up the people in Mexico City, there are more people who live in that one city than live in Texas and Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Missouri combined in that one city. You look at the Western Hemisphere, the entire Western Hemisphere, and you think about that, that's North America and South America. If you were to add up the populations of that, of that region alone, uh, of North America and South America, 800 million people live in that part of the world. But go further with me in this. If you go over to the little nation of India, you look at the... them on the map compared to North America and South America, there are 9 million people who live in that one country. And 90% of those don't know Christ. We worry about our neighbors sometimes not knowing Christ. And Why why, why would we go on mission around the world? And and guys and gals, we need to get up about 30,000 feet and we need to look at the world. We say 95% of those who go to seminary don't even leave America. You don't have to go to seminary to be a missionary either. We saw that last a couple of weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, when we had the halls up here. What a beautiful story, them giving their life to that. Going to this area of the world that's that 1040 window. I mean, we have got to learn to see the, the world through, through God-sized eyes and, and see the world through different ways. We've got to see the faces. Can you see their faces? Just imagine five and a half billion lost people, mothers, fathers, and precious children. You are seeing five faces every second. If you were to stare at these faces every second of every minute of every day without blinking, 
It would take 35 years to see all of the lost people in the world. If you include the hundreds of millions more that would have been born during that time, it would take even longer. Now slow this down to the rate of one face per second, just long enough for you to say Jesus to each one. It would take more than 175 years. God is calling his laborers to the harvest. Because of your support, the International Mission Board has sent more than 5,000 missionaries across the globe to reach the lost with the love of Jesus Christ. If you think about the number of faces, the number of people, and again, there were so many other statistics there that I didn't ramble off, but 90% of the gospel telling happens in the most reached parts of the world. I want us to be a church that understands that mankind is waiting for a message. We had in one of our services last week, our third gathering actually, a lady that I'll call her Judy because this is the, the, the broadcast uh, service. And her, I'll call her Judy, but she was in our service and she's an amazing lady. She, was, she lives in West Africa and she was here. And what her job is, has one job. And it's to go through West Africa, villages, bumpy roads, places where cars don't go. She has one job, to find the unreached peoples of the world. To find the unreached peoples of West Africa. There are so many. We as a church must be alive and aware of the work that needs to be done that is undone. Let me give you some phrases that I want to become a part. This unreached, unevangelized. What does that mean? Unreached means that there's less than 2% of the population that has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There are nations out there that less than 2% have followers, are followers of Christ. And most of them are in that 1040 window that we have been talking about on the world unevangelized what does that mean it means they don't have a bible they don't have a church they don't have they don't they don't have anything to get them going they don't have a missionary nobody is there they are unreached they are unevangelized what are we going to do as a church mankind's waiting for a message the second understanding we contingency out there is that the message is waiting for a messenger We've got to see the world, but, but we also got to understand our part to play in this, in this. How are they, here's verse 14 again, how are they to hear without someone preaching? See, the evangelist is silent until the messenger comes, until the evangelist arrives. We must understand that this world is seeking to establish their own way to God. But if you read through verse 4 through verse 13, you'll find of this chapter that Paul was so passionate and clear about the message of Christ. He didn't stray, stutter, stumble, or stammer at all with the message. You and I are the message carriers. I gave you Luke 12, 12 a few weeks ago that the Holy Spirit will give you the words in the very hour that you need them. You are a messenger. I am a messenger. The message is waiting to be delivered. Luke 10, verse 16, Jesus said, He who hears you hears me. So what Jesus was saying is as we carry His message and as we speak His message, as we tell our story in our world, mankind will not just be hearing us, they will be hearing from God. 
John the Baptist said, I am the voice in first John, John 1, 23. Paul said, so we preached and so you believed. We need to see that we are the message carriers. Verse 17 of Romans 10 says this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Mankind is waiting for a message, but also, number three, the messenger is waiting for a means. The messenger is waiting for a means. One of the reasons that there are unreached, unevangelized, unengaged peoples in this world is because the churches of this world and the people of this world are not giving to support God's work around the world. Again, we keep so much money to ourselves. Thank God we have a church, again, that puts missions constantly forward. Budget we'll probably present to you in a few weeks is a 300% increase in our direct mission support of mission personnel. 300% increase. And we will continue to increase in this area. It costs $88 a day to keep a missionary alive on the well, uh, on the field. But listen to this. Judy, who I told you about a few weeks ago, Judy, who works in West Africa finding the unreached, unengaged peoples of the world, guess what? In a year and a half, she's going to be back here in the States. You know why? Because her funding has run out. How can you have somebody who lives in a Taliban area where she could literally would risk her life and as a single lady living out there with such courage and such conviction? How in the world can we allow somebody like that to come back? See, the, not only is mankind waiting for a message, the message is waiting for a messenger, but also the messenger is waiting for a means Verse 15, he says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? We as a church, we as a church must continually be about sending. To start another campus, tens of thousands of dollars. Sending is where we come into play. To start another church is tens of thousands of dollars. Ministry that costs nothing, accomplishes nothing. We're going to be a church that keeps that as a priority. The third point I want to share before we go today is the reward of telling the message. The reward of telling, yes, everyone who believes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how will they call on Him if they've not believed? And how will they believe in Him if they've not heard? And how will they hear unless there's a preacher? And how will, they, how will anybody ever hear unless they're sent? But then there's the beautiful verse that comes right out of that verse 15. He says, it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The sad fact is that three, only 3% of churches ever reproduce. That's very sad in my, in, my, in, my, in my equation. We must be a church that is reproducing. We, we have carrying us the message, and, and the message is beautiful. It's a beautiful, timely message. It's a proper message. It's an appropriate message. It's, it's just the message that we need to care. And you know what happens when somebody receives this message and their life is changed? Beautiful things happen. Beautiful things happen in their life, and beautiful things happen in your life. See, there's the reward, and the reward is this, is that our feet are called beautiful, and that's not a very complimentary thing, I know, to talk about our feet being beautiful. But the reality is that our, our, our message is so powerful and so life-changing that we must reproduce, and we must re- reproduce everything as a church. We must re- band, we must reproduce body life groups, we must reproduce souls, we must reproduce churches, we must reproduce campuses. We've we got to be a reproducing campus church body of Christ. 
carrying the message of Christ. I close with one last story. Because if we understood the beauty of the message that we carry in our hearts, if we understood the, the sheer darkness and lostness of the people that are, that are far beyond that message that we carry in our hearts that they don't have access to, if we understood the beautiful path that we, care, we, we cross we, when we carry that message to them and the life-changing, then I, I think our passion might come alive. The story is told, it was reported in the Chicago Tribune, February 9th, 1979 issue. When John Currier had been a convicted criminal, guilty of murder, and sentenced to prison for life in 1949. The story is told that later he was transferred to a prison, a parole kind of prison where he was in work duty, working for a farmer just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. In 1968, so in 49 he was sentenced to, to, to life in prison. In 68, his sentence was terminated after 19 years. He was set free. The parole board sent a, sent a letter to the farmer. The farmer either never got it, never passed it on, something, 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 the, the balls drop. And some years later, John Currier finds out that he's a free man. He had good news delivered to him. But up until for the next 11 years, he began to work. From 68 to to, to 79, he continued to work in this prisoner's kind of lifestyle. First he was making $5 a week, and then he finally got a raise up to $20 a week. And he lived in a barn, and 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 he took his bath in a horse trough, and he drank from a garden hose. This is the life that John Currier lived till 1979. And the message finally reached him through some odd means that he was a free man and had been a free man for many years. And I think about the world in which we live. We have a message that was given to us. We have a message and it was told that we were to take this message to the world. And there are people that would love to hear the message of Christ that we hold in our heart. But we are passionate enough to share. You and I have a mission. But I wonder if we have the passion to back the mission that God has given us. Would you pray with me? Just with your head bowed and eyes closed and just take a, a second to look into your own heart and to ask yourself some questions. Because for some of you, this message is one of those that, oh, Mike, this is your number one message to share. Okay, whatever. I'm glad it's over. Let's move on. But I hope for others, you didn't come to be warm, happy, and fed, but you came to be stirred, challenged, and to be on mission with God. And to you, I want to talk and share and say and pray. Ask God for an unreached people group in this world. Ask God for your neighbors. Ask God for your work associates. Make Romans 10.1 your verse. My heart's desire, my prayer to God for fill in the blank is that they might be saved. 
whoever the them is in your life, would you now understand and receive your commission by God Almighty to be a missionary to them? To be on mission with God. Father, we bow before You now and we just ask that our hearts would not be the same when we leave here. That whether it's the cry of a, of a village in Africa or Indonesia or in India, or whether it's the cry of the wandering ways of the world in which we live and how people are ignorant of God's righteousness and they're striving to find their own ways to God, but they're not submitting to You, God. Father, forgive us for us being called by You to carry a message of You to the world. And help us, dear Lord, in this hour, in this time, in this place, to understand that it is so much about what You're about that we must be about. And that we we move on to a new series of messages and we don't move on in life, but Lord, we move out in life. And that, Father, we would understand mankind is waiting for a message. We'd understand that the message is waiting for a messenger. And we would understand that the messenger is waiting for a means. Lord, we would either be enabling, empowering, going, praying, or all the above. Lord, may there not be an excuse given when we get to heaven and we stand before You, that somebody did not hear in our time, in our day, in our neighborhoods, in our works, even though You put us there to share Your message. We, Lord, are without excuse. We have the message. Lord, we thank You for this time. We ask Your richest blessings on our offering for Your glory and Your name's sake. In Jesus' name.